Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the IMI Talking Leadership Podcast. Today I'm thrilled to be joined by Colette Cahillan, who is an accomplished group facilitator and coach, sitting on a number of coaching panels in both Ireland and internationally. Colette recently presented a webinar for our IMI members, and I just want to take this time to call out the fantastic feedback we had from that session. I feel like it really gave us a chance to take a step back and reflect, and I think we all left that session feeling a bit more relaxed and ready to tackle whatever's coming at us next. And there were a few things that really resonated with me in particular during that session. So we'll touch on some of those as we go along, but we're going to have a conversation today about resilience, trust, energy, and how all of those concepts relate to each other when it comes to leadership. So Colette, if you could go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners. Thank you so much, Farah, for the introduction and for having me here today. Um, so as you've mentioned, I'm a leadership coach and a facilitator, and I've been working in this space for nearly 20 years now, currently based in Dublin. And um, yeah, it's a great opportunity to have a conversation with you about a topic I'm so passionate about. And in the interest of full disclosure, this is my first podcast. So noticing as we we come together today, I'm excited, but also a little bit nervous. So interested to see where we travel together in our time today. Thanks so much, Colette. So we'll get straight into it. One of the concepts you spoke about on the webinar was called Bani, that's B-A-N-I. And it's really a bit of a move on from VUCA, which is what we hear about a lot when it comes to leadership frameworks and leadership models. So you mentioned that VUCA isn't really sufficient anymore for the rates of change that we're experiencing in today's world. So what is the Bani concept and how does it differ from VUCA? So yeah, great question and something that has definitely been emerging more in, in my experience over the past 12 to 18 months around the, the lens that we're looking through the world, how we're making sense of the world um, is radically changing and transforming. And what's fascinating is VUCA, which is a term that we are all familiar with, has actually been around 30 years. So to give a little context around where these terms come from and what they offer us, 30 years ago, the um, VUCA idea was invented by the US Army, actually, in a post-Cold War period to explain the emerging new world dynamics. And really, we used it in a business context to create meaning in the face of uncertainties and in a world of constant change. However, in the recent years, particularly with climate change, increasing political unrest, but most importantly, COVID-19, the lens in how we make sense of the world has changed. And Jamie Kashkow, an anthropologist, author and futurist, has offered a framework known as BAMI, as you've described. And this is a lens for grasping our current reality of complexity and chaos. And BAMI itself stands for brittle, anxious, nonlinear and incomprehensible. So, so the concept BAMI is really a way for leaders to make sense of some of the chaos we are facing. And um, how to think about it is that each of the four areas, so B standing for brittle, may really make us recognize that things can appear to be strong, but ultimately without warning can fail or break at any time. An example of this is a lot of the people I work with are in the tech sector. And they have gone through 18 months of the most significant, unprecedented changes of their professional careers. 
Some have actually been made redundant themselves, whereas others have had up to four rounds of redundancies to navigate. When in their professional careers in the tech sector, some had never even faced a budget cut, not a mind to headcount reduction before. So what this is inviting people to do is to find a way to build new capacity and resilience in these brittle, anxious, non-linear and incomprehensible ways that we are now navigating the world. Thanks very much, Colette. I think it's really important to keep these new models and frameworks in mind and not just get stuck in the old ways of VUCA and the likes. And the concept that I mentioned I really loved on your webinar was this kind of idea of you You asked us all to specify in the chat on the webinar, are we feeling green or amber or red on that day? On well, that particular day, I personally, I think I was feeling a bit amber, a bit of that brittleness and anxiety. But by the end of the session, I felt much better. And you took us through a few exercises that could help us get back to green. So can you walk us through that a little bit and also tell us how leaders can use that kind of concept with their team members? Yeah, thank you. And that green, amber, red exercise, I'm so glad you found it valuable and um, that it had an impact for you. The, the premise of it is very simply, first and foremost, checking in with ourselves. How are we feeling? So right now for me, I'm probably a bit amber green, knowing this is out of my comfort zone. It's something different. So I can feel my heart a little bit faster, but I'm also connecting to my breath and, and really being aware of that. And even by naming that with you, inviting myself to allow that be here. Um, when I first started out doing this work back in 2010 with teams and leaders, a lot of the focus around emotional energy was from the positive psychology approach, which was really about how do we how do we have positive emotions? How do we feel valued? How do we maximize all of the greatness that's out there? And actually, over the past 13, 14 years, there's been a recognition that in order to have the right level of capacity and how we face our lives, which are complex and are challenging, we need to be real with our emotions. So it's not about always being green, which is that present-centered, connected space. It's knowing when are we going into red, where we're feeling triggered, overwhelmed, where are we in that amber space? And by recognizing that, then what are the choices that we have both for ourselves and how we resource ourselves? So a lot of what we talked about that day on the webinar was looking at four sources of energy, physical, mental, emotional, or social. Um, what are ways we can look after ourselves internally to build ourselves into a space where we're spending more and more time in a place that we're feeling more centered, positive, and engaged, but also recognizing where we get stuck in those cycles of, of feeling triggered or overwhelmed. When you ask about how we can bring this into leaders and, and how they can apply this in the workplace, for me, the very simple premise is first and foremost for them to be aware of themselves. Um, if I was to ask anyone what type of leader they want to work for, most individuals, in fact, nearly all that I ask would say they'd want to work for someone who's more time in the green, feeling present, connected, and aware um, that somebody who's constantly going around in red. So the, the gateway here is to really feel where you're at, what do you need, look after yourself, but then also bring that authentically into your teams. So where you are facing times of challenge, which many of the people I'm working with are at the moment, how do you bring that authentically in 
to say, listen, I'm noticing at the moment, I'm personally even feeling overwhelmed. There's a couple of things I'm doing to take ownership for that. But it normalizes it for other people to also invite them to check in around, well, where are they at? What's going on for them? And to have a deeper sense of connection around what each of those individuals may need to move themselves from a place of red to potentially amber or green. I think it's so interesting to hear about all of that. And in particular, you mentioned there are different kinds of energy. So physical, emotional, social, mental energy. And I think it's probably a topic that we could spend all day talking about. But do you have some kind of high level practical tips for our listeners on how they can nurture each of those aspects or each of those types of energy within their daily lives or within their workplaces? Well, it is certainly a topic we could spend all day on, but we, we won't do that and we won't do that to your listeners. Um, so keeping it very much at a high level, the first thing is for any individual listening to this, it's taking time to check in with themselves and um, almost reflect on where might they be feeling stuck at the moment? Where are they feeling overwhelmed? What are some of the things that they're facing? And they know this is an old pattern of mine. It's coming up again. Um, and in my work with individuals, it's really trying to zoom in on that because we don't need to do 50 different things every day. We don't need to be we don't have the time to practice all these different exercises. But if we get really intentional and clear on where we're getting stuck or where we're coming up against challenges, that's where we can have the most impact. So to, to bring that to life physically, that is the foundation of the quantity of energy we have. So a question to reflect on is. What's the quantity of energy? How full are your energy reserves at the moment? Are you dragging yourself out of bed? Are you finding you're not getting enough sleep at night? Do you go back to back all day in meetings and not take any breaks? If the answer to any of those is yes, then I would say you're in need of really looking at your physical energy practices. One of the most basic but fundamental things you can do is increase the quantity and quality of your sleep. Even if it's by 15 minutes a night, that all adds up over the course of a week. The other thing I would say at a very fundamental level that we can all get better at is oscillating between when we're really fully engaged and on and when we're disengaged and what that looks like in a day, whether you're working virtually or whether you're working in the office, is having 90 minute intervals where you get away from your laptop, you get away from your phone, you go make yourself a cup of tea or even better, you get outside and you reset. Um, ways of doing that for people who feel like they're on all day long is see where can you get a bit creative? Can a team meeting be changed from an hour to 45 minutes? Can a one-to-one -one meeting be changed from 30 minutes to 25 minutes? So you're creating little micro gaps throughout your day and using that time to reset, renew. Colette, you mentioned they're your energy reserves. How full are your energy reserves? And do you go from back-to-back -back meetings all day? Are you doing tasks all day? And I think that that really ties into a concept you spoke about on the webinar in terms of leaders getting off the dance floor and onto the balcony. So not necessarily being at the coalface, being involved in everything all the time. And I think that that is something that a lot of people struggle with. And it could be a bit of a drain, not just on physical energy, but on mental energy as well. So how can leaders effectively implement this idea of getting off the dance floor within their task management, within their decision making, and just their day-to-day -day work? 
So this is probably one of the com most consistent things I hear um, and have heard. It, it hasn't taken the lens of Bani to come in for leaders to feel like they're constantly firefighting or moving from one thing to the other. This is something we all know and are familiar with. Um, however, how we approach it is something that we have to, again, take ownership around individually. Um, I know for myself, it's something that unless I... I'm very intentional and deliberate about, I can even get caught up in just going from one thing to the other. And actually what it does over time is it not only impacts our productivity, but it impacts our ability to have a sense of satisfaction or achievement. Um, and in an organization point of view, that can ultimately lead to some serious attrition issues and retention challenges. So there's a burning platform here in terms of the importance of finding ways to get off the dance floor, as you say, onto the balcony. Just to give a tiny bit of context, this, this phrase has come from an amazing article called The Work of Leadership that was written in 1997. And it shines a light on the importance of leaders recognizing their role isn't to be moving from firefighting all day long. It is to be taking a different perspective. That's where the impact can come. Um, and to do that, what it talks about is finding ways to really gain perspective, to take stock, um, and one of the exercises I talked about to, when we were together the last day was there's loads of different ones, but a very simple one is Eisenhower's Matrix to really help get a new perspective on time management and prioritization so people can feel back in control. I heard of Eisenhower's Matrix for the first time during your webinar, and I know people can Google it to get a template of the matrix. But can you go into a little bit of detail about exactly what Eisenhower's Matrix is and how it can be used to prioritize tasks and make the best of your time as a leader? Absolutely, happy to. And um, it's nice to hear it's new as well because there's so many different things out there. So for those that it is new to, the, the essence of this matrix is to help you take what's subjective so all the stuff that's going around, washing around in your mind and to take it as a way to make it objective. Um, and this is a really important thing in terms of our mental load, what we're carrying, what we're facing into. And to do that, the starting point is to take time. And sometimes I'll do this in a session, a 90 minute session with people. I'll say, let's just take five minutes right now, turn off the cameras, turn off the microphone and you write out everything that is going on at the moment and listing all the activities and projects that you feel you have to do. So that's the first thing, a download, a chance to just put it all out there. The second step is to try and include um, a way of categorizing those items. So you, you look at it through four different lenses. And again, I'm a visual person. So anyone listening, feel free to look this up online and you'll see lots of different versions of it online for free. Um, but the first categorization is looking through that list of projects and tasks and tasks that you have and demands of your time and identifying what are the really important, so the things that are going to have impact, that are critical and urgent that need to be prioritized. And we'd look at those as category one. The second is to look at what's important, but not actually urgent. And this tends to be the space that we often lose sight of that we don't prioritize it's the quarterly planning we need to do before we get into um, the next cycle it's the development plans that aren't getting the time or attention 
So the important but not urgent being the second criteria. The third is looking at well, what's not important but is urgent. So what are the things that are coming in, that are taking your time, that aren't going to have impact, but people are coming looking for them to be answered today when actually they weren't part of your plan. And then what's not important and not urgent. So what are the things you're doing that you simply shouldn't be doing that aren't part of your work that potentially are other people's roles and responsibilities, whether they're to be delegated to your team or they're, they're to be pushed back to other team members to say, that's actually not part of the scope of my role and that would require recontracting conversations. So they're, they're very simple steps and it might feel like a simple process, but in my experience can be really liberating for people, particularly when they're in that red or amber zone where everything when you're in that state feels important and urgent until we objectively look at it. Um, and the idea is that it gives you a chance to take a step back, take control, find your way up onto the balcony, so you end up spending more time on the not important and urgent things or the important and urgent things rather than feeling a victim of your inbox or your, your calendar. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a quick summary of it, Farah, and hopefully it brings it to life seeing as it was new for you as well. I think that's such a useful concept, and I would really encourage any of our listeners today to go off categorize your tasks even just your tasks for today or for this week into those four quadrants and see how that helps you prioritize your time and Colette the final thing I want to touch on today is this concept of how our personal and our professional networks have shrunk quite a lot especially since the pandemic you know we're working from home we might not have the time that we used to have to make and maintain those kind of social connections so how can individuals strengthen those connections and build new ones in this new world that we're in? When it comes to strengthening our, our social connections, one of the things we know is it is about the quality of our social connections, not the quantity. So we don't actually need a, a network of a thousand people. You know, many of us have many connections on social media, etc. We don't need to be really intimately connected with all those people. However, we do need important connections that have good, strong quality. And one of the things we know, and, and this is particularly from Kingsley Atkins and the Networking Institute, is that we have stopped investing in some of the quantity, but also the quality of our relationships. What I experience with my own work and also with those that I work with is that with hybrid working, we're getting more and more stuck in our own bubbles. And that the cost of efficiency of less travel and face-to-face -face time is that our connections are becoming more transactional and informal. Ways that we used to build connections have really evaporated and eroded. So how I help people think about this is to invite them to map their current connections and explore where there could be blind spots or areas in need of additional focus. So by doing this, we look at how individuals can engage differently and ask different questions of themselves. And often what tends to happen is that unconsciously there can be spaces where people are neglecting reaching out to people or they're avoiding conversations. And actually it can be a huge drain of energy um, because we're, we're, we're working to try and avoid rather than being proactive and reaching out. In mapping out these relationships, what often can happen as well is we get a greater sense of empathy around where that other person 
is or what they might be facing that we haven't taken the time to look at. Um, so some of the questions that I'll ask will be, do you have the right people in the room? Are you talking to the same people? Who have you not spoken to? And who have you written off as immovable that you could be actually re-engaging with that are really important for where you need to go? So having a chance to realign and re-engage can free up a lot more energy and making it very clear. An example of this was with a leader recently who'd been through a massive reorganization and was feeling lost in where her place was in the new org design. By mapping out her relationships and connections, she was able to see that instead of being isolated and in a corner, she actually had many allies around her. She also could identify that the new C-level leader who was coming into the organization was creating a lot of anxiety for her. She wasn't sure how they were going to work together. But by thinking through how she wanted to intentionally and deliberately show up and engage in building that relationship, it made her feel much more empowered and energized to step into the new role rather than feeling stuck and overwhelmed. Um, so hopefully that just brings it to life a little bit in how to think about this. And it can be a simple blank piece of paper for people to use to map this out themselves. And I'd always invite at least give yourself 10 to 20 minutes to do this, to, to unpack and explore where are those relationships at, what needs attention, and where may there be some blind spots that you could bring more engagement and, and connection to. Thanks very much, Colette. It's great to end on that success story of a leader who mapped their connections and found success in that kind of way. So thank you so much for joining us today on the IMI Talking Leadership Podcast. And thank you to everyone for listening. You can subscribe on SoundCloud or your preferred podcast provider to ensure that you don't miss an episode. Until next time.